What's going on, everyone? It's Greg Williams and Shakia Sykes. Welcome to the Grier Project podcast series. Now, you're probably like, Greg, what does Grier mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's five different letters that mean five different things. Gender, race, inclusion, equity, and allyship. Right, Shaq? Right. It's a podcast series that centers on celebrating diversity within New York City Department of Social Services, Human Resources Administration, and the Department of Homeless Services. We'll spotlight cutting-edge DEI practices and broaden listeners' perspectives on current DEI issues. On this episode, we are going to talk to Kenya Gibson, a media executive with iHeartMedia. So I wanted to know from like your perspective, like what is needed more to create equity? You know, where where are city agencies, governments, where are they, you know, in there, but where do they need to go to access. put those resources? Mm. It's access and, you know, obviously resources. But I, you know, remember being a young mother who, you know, I was down to my last. I remember when I went to go apply for SNAP and food stamps and wig and all of that, like what that experience was like and how taxing it was and how I was, you know, bit, like I only needed food, right? I had a job. I was like, I was making minimum wage. I'm like, I just need food. You know, my baby gets wig. Like I just, I need, and it, it was almost like, I felt as though the agency could have better equipped me to make me feel good about working and working like I was working towards a better life where I felt like I was almost put into a situation where there was a sense of codependency that was being created. And I was a little like, hmm, I just want food so we can eat, but I want to continue to work and I want to continue to, you know, you know, grow and make more money. And it was almost like I was put in a position to choose because like income wise, I was kind of like right on the cusp. And it was like, well, if you don't work, you're gonna be better off over here. Cause then, you know, but then I was like, but I wanna work. I wanna have a sense of accomplishment. Like this is supposed to be a stepping stone for me to get you know out of the situation. So, you know, this was a long time ago and I don't know how things have shifted and changed. But I think for me, if I would have had the experience, especially as a young black mother going in there and saying like, I only really need help with this. And they were like, we're going to help you, but then we're going to help you with X, Y, and Z in terms of like getting you resources. How can we help you with your education? How can we help you with access? Like I felt like I didn't have a conversation with anybody beyond, you know, here's an expedited food stamp voucher and, you know, we're going to send you on your way. So I think those kind of conversations would have helped, you know, move me in the right direction. I mean, I always consider myself to be pretty self-motivated, but I know a lot of women especially when I was living in the projects who were on their fifth and sixth kid who were my age, who weren't, no one was talking to them like that. No one was giving them hope. No one was, they were, you know, thinking that this is the way, this is the model. So I would like to see city agencies, if they're not already, create a model, especially for young women of color that creates sustainability outside of once you get past the system and, and using those resources. Like what's, what's after this? You know, not just focusing on the now. I love that. I love that. It's honest, yeah, it you is. know? It's very honest. Uh, can you, I know you have a podcast and you turn, Greg mentioned it. Can you tell the folks of the city about it uh, so that they can tune in? Sure. So Me Eternal is on iHeartRadio. If you go to meternal.info, it's not just a, pla- I'm not a podcast. We built a whole platform. Remember I was big on the access piece. 
So for us, we wanted to put information up there, resources. We actually par partnered with March of Dimes to give us peer review research. They come on as experts. They send us experts to the podcast. So when you go there and you're a young mother of color or a mother of color in general, we want to make sure that you feel super served. So we have the podcast, which tells you the stories and all the things behind it. But then there's all this other information that's up there for people to access. So that was big. We wanted to solve that. So let me ask you, I know Shaq, you want, I want, I want to interject because I'm going to forget this. Uh, what do the listeners get from listening to these stories? Because I think there's so much more. And I had to ask you that because I can just envision Shaq and myself. We're just listening to it. What what, do, what are we supposed to get out of that? Hope, inspiration, um, real stories that are good, bad, and indifferent. But it shows you that there is a possibility for a better positive outcome. And data. Like data and knowing where we are is gonna help us understand what we have to push forward in terms of like the change and the shift that needs to happen. But if you don't know the numbers and you don't know the stories and you don't know how mothers of color are affected, we, we like you don't, there's no bar. There's nothing to work towards if we don't know where we're at. And I think it's for everybody too. I'm not a mother. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Thank I, you. I listened to it, I enjoyed it. I, um, I'm gonna share it uh, with folks that are mothers. and. Before that, uh, I had a question about a lot of my friends, most of my friends, um, and you know, some of them feel stuck in their careers. And you gave this amazing journey where you were resilient. So, what would you tell the mothers out there that just feel stuck in their careers and they they they're dedicated to being moms but can't navigate and move up within their career because they're so dedicated to being a mom, mm -hmm. but they feel they feel kind of upset about not moving up throughout their career? Be patient uh, and prioritize your family. And I think that was the one thing that worked well for me. Like when my kids were little, I knew where I needed to be in this phase of the business, right? I, I couldn't necessarily be doing all the things I'm doing right now because my kids were little and they needed me to be there. But I think my commitment to my family, uh, even my commitment to my marriage, I mean, I we went through a really like trying time where we were almost like divorced, divorced, right? So I had that, and God used that to show me that I needed to kind of take a step back and say, your family's your priority. You, you might need to shift some things around in order like to make this work. And it can't always be about your career and how you're pushing forward. You made these choices to bring these human beings into the world. You made the choice to make this commitment to this human being. So you need to prioritize that first. And once you can figure that out, then you can have the opportunity to speak into other people's lives. Because if you can't master your family and master your home, you have no business giving other people advice on anything. So it was like this real concrete structure as to how to get to the next point where you could speak authentically to people and like really be true to who you are. So code switching is when you switch up at work. You uh -huh. become your, your more professional, what is considered professional. Okay. What is considered in the workplace. That is one way uh, it happens. It also happens with the way folks speak. Mm -hmm. uh, if, it, if you speak a different language, you may uh, uh, mask that. So that's how you code switch. It can be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It depends. Uh, on the environment and then tone policing uh, we talk about this a lot and a lot of folks don't know what it is it's when we're speaking passionately we're passionate we're passionate about what we're talking about and the message isn't received it's just basically 
I don't like your attitude. Mm -hmm. I don't like the way you're speaking to me. So they don't receive the message. Kind of like, I'm not yelling. Yeah. 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 So, (laughs) um, yeah, it's just the the message isn't received. So it happens a lot to women. It happens Mm -hmm. a lot to black women and women of color because, you know, I'm very Mm soft-spoken. So, you know, if I'm, if I raise my voice, some person might be like, I don't like your attitude. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I don't have that attitude. Right. This is how I'm speaking. And this is how I feel right yeah. now. Exactly. Yeah. Don't throw a piece of chicken on Shaq's desk. That's when she becomes loud. I've tried it. Just don't do it. It's not good for your health. Um, Who throws chicken on people's desk? I did. Oh. <laughs> I don't eat meat. <laughs> oh, okay. So that was very aggressive. Uh, no, I was like, wake up! And she was like, ah! <laughs> Let me ask you, Kate. <laughs> so I am weird. What? Let me. Have you ever been? A, I mean, listen. I've never. I've code switched a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I've never been tone police. Have you ever been tone police though? No, because I feel like I come with a strong tone, and I don't want anybody being the tone police to me. So I, I try not to be the tone police because I know me. I, I'm very passionate, and it comes off sometimes like I'm yelling, and I'm like, I'm not yelling and I'm not upset. We just talk really loud sometimes. Yeah. That's all. So no, I'm okay. not the tone police. I, 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 I'm, I'm glad. Cause I let people you... be who they are because I want to be yeah. who I am. But I, I don't think that that's always... But have you policy. ever been tone police? Has anybody ever talked to you off to the side and been like, you could have said that a little? Oh, yeah. Oh, mm. yeah. But I'm like, I didn't mean it like that. Mm. It's how you took it. Mm. See, I like that, Shaq. She just says straight up. Shaq is just nice because Shaq would be like, mm-hmm. and then she'd be behind the scenes. She'd be like, mm-hmm. and if I'm wrong, I'm I'm also big on like maybe I could I could have said it a better way. But typically, you have to really get me to a place where I need to be tone policed. <laughs> Why say it like that? <laughs> say it with your chest. Listen, I did not like the way that you spelt my name depends, on the presentation. It depends on the circumstance, but you know, and I also believe that there's a balance. Yeah, there's there's definitely a balance, right? Like you have to know who your audience is, how they're gonna take it, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm getting better at having that kind of discernment, because it it can't always it can't be the same temperature for everybody. Yeah, I think that's a very good point, like, especially when it comes um, comes to like culture mm-hmm. and just paying attention to who's in the room, the mm-hmm. diversity in the room, and just kind of ad- adapt adapting yeah yeah and i and i'll be truth be told so i'm biracial i i'm black and my mother's irish and you know we didn't grow up with color per se but obviously i was raised with more of my black culture and but i think the benefit to that is culturally like i get it right like i get my black experience because i'm having that like i'm not treated as like a white woman i'm i don't have white privilege you know what i'm saying but i also understand the dynamic between blacks and whites and how like how that kind of fuses together so that's kind of it turned out to be a blessing for me because yeah. I, I can kind of look at things in both lenses and both perspectives and like kind of see uh, and I think a lot of that training even came from when I was younger I had a grandfather God rest his soul who was very very racist to the point where he never acknowledged my sister and I because we were black um, as a matter of fact like my grandmother had a dog with the the dog's name was the n-word it was a very racist environment and my mother was very protective in that she never brought us around that but like as a kid i still knew what was going on you know and to be see my grandfather for like 
the first time and know that he was like where Dre's standing and like not acknowledging me because I'm black. It was just as, as an eight year old, you're like, that's really something else, right? So that was like my first experience with racism, right? And so I think what that taught me is like how to be, have more emotional intelligence when it comes to certain situations and how to adapt and like how to kind of navigate and know what what is a hurtful situation and what's really racism and what's really not and like just being able to decipher the two but you know sometimes those hurtful experiences allow you to develop a higher emotional intelligence when it comes to certain and it's mm. almost a sense of like denying yourself mm. right yeah and, and and when i think of it and i look back like even on our childhood experiences like that is sometimes it could be the crash course in diversity mm -hmm. and inclusion because you're like wow this is this is not right and that shouldn't be happening, right? And you you carry some of that into the workplace. I know for me, like even coming into corporate America where it's, you know, primarily, you know, ran by, you know, white men and having those experiences that would bring me back to those states with my grandfather, where you would have that sense of denial or rejection or and like equating it back to that, even though necessarily it might be not tied to it in any way, shape or form, those experiences really shape your perception of yourself and like how you function in society. So it, it's more influential than we like want to give conversation to or give credit for. My whole thing with you and, and talking with you, Kenya, I really wanted to gain more or less your perspective because not only are you biracial, but you're a mother. I got a shout out. If you working and you got babies and you a in your career and you in your bag, I'm celebrating you. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> because I appreciate that. My babies are grown now, which is, is a little bit of a different experience because I'm like, God, I have like grown humans. Yeah. You can, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, where do people go for their own well-being in the mental space? Like you're very big on fitness and it just seems like spiritual. Encompassing all, because I believe that we're trichotomy beings. Some people don't believe in that. That's fine. That's your provocative. I believe we're trichotomy mm -hmm. beings, body, mind, soul. Okay, that's me. Um, but I'm respectful for everybody's mm -hmm. belief. I mean, how do people nurture all three? Do you feel what is an effective method for that? What are your tips? What? Is, how do you live your life to keep your sanity? For me you know, God is like the center of everything for me. And I know that sounds like so cliche and I was like, oh, that's such a corny answer. But honestly, there was a point in time where I didn't really have a lot of faith and I questioned a lot of things when it came to God. And I believe now that, you know, he's a creator and he creates us in perfection, like even with our flaws and our shortcomings. And we are to be a reflection of that, right? Of the creator, right? Like if God is good and God is love and, and he, loves us regardless of where we're at like we should treat ourselves accordingly you know and sometimes we're really hard on ourselves so you know i'm not like a bible thumper or like a religious person i'm a spiritual person i understand like that god loves me i know where i stand um and i know what god says about me and and for me that's the word of god you know i'm a christian um i believe that jesus christ is my lord and savior and that has let me tell you something changed the game for me. I remember being a street kid, you know, running the streets, not doing the right things and making all the wrong choices. And God was always there every step of the way. And I believe that he uses what seems insignificant to the world to confound the wise. And I'm definitely one of those people that is imperfect that he has said, okay, 
I can use you because you're going to keep it real and you're not going to give these, you know, people this false narrative that they have to have it all together. So that's my advice. That's what's worked for me. It's gotten me to this point and I'm, I'm happy about this journey and where God has brought me to. I'm, I'm proud of that. I couldn't have gotten here on my own. I wasn't, I did not have my stuff together. So. And, and the thing is, like I said, I like to ask everybody mm -hmm. about themselves. Mm -hmm. Some people not spiritual minded. Some people are. Mm -hmm. We're respectful of everybody's beliefs mm -hmm. and non-beliefs and whatever you feel is your provocative. Mm -hmm. I always like to ask people where they feel they're going, what works for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've heard everything from sound baths to martial arts. I mean, Shaq, we have a great show going on. I want to meet somebody that's into hiking. Hiking is good. Yeah, I is. mean, I'm afraid of falling off a cliff, but- But um, how you gonna be hiking and you afraid of falling <laughs> off a cliff? You know, hiking that's is good. therapeutic. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, I think it's all encompassing, right? I think it's, um, faith is multifaceted in that you need to know what the creator says about you. Cause otherwise you're gonna have this maybe distorted narrative about yourself. And, and, and honestly, I'm a very results driven and I, I will only give advice and substance to what I know and believe works. The Briar Project podcast series is produced by the New York City Department of Social Services, Human Resources Administration, and Department of Homeless Services. You can find us on the web at www.nyc.gov backslash DSS.